welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. What a week of sports we have had. The NBA is starting up. College football playoff has been uh, decided. And the NFL, wild, wild week of the NFL. The playoff picture coming into shape. Couple spots up for grabs still. Let's get right into it. Oh, and oh, by the way, happy holidays, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Christmas coming up this week. So, big week here on the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. We got a couple free money picks. We had another great week this week. I'm going to give you an early one. It's kind of a uh, early Christmas gift from Uncle Mitchell coming up in a little bit. Let's start with the college football playoff. We have not talked much college football this season. And that's because, quite frankly, I think this season's kind of like, it's kind of like a half season. And I love college football. But this year has been such a, it's been such a shit show, quite frankly, with all the rescheduling and who's getting in, who's not getting in. Certain teams are playing six games. Other teams are playing a full schedule. It's been a mess. It's been all over the board. I'm surprised they even played and got through it at all. So props to all the schools for making it happen. And uh, for the most part, it sounded like they kept the kids safe. But uh, there's been a lot of complaining these past couple weeks because the college football playoff uh, committee, they selected their four teams for this year. And it was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then Notre Dame. And there's been a lot of bitching and complaining from everyone. I think they got the four teams right. That being said, there is still reason to complain. It's not that I'm not upset. This college football playoff system is horrible. It's horrible. And I was a fan of it when they introduced it to the beginning. But it has come and it has shown these past couple years, it is very heavily flawed. And there's not a whole ways to fix it. You might have to abandon because I think it's going to be bad for the sport of college football in general. And let, let, let me get in to why. So the top four is correct. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, we should let Texas A&M in. Like, no. No, you shouldn't. They got spanked by Alabama. What's their other good win this year? They narrowly beat Florida, who has three losses. Whoop-dee-doo. Good for you. At least Notre Dame, they went into the ACC title game. They made their conference championship game, One number one. And two, they beat Clemson. I don't care that Trevor Lawrence is gone. It was still a five-star recruit playing quarterback. They beat Clemson. That's a better win than Florida. All right. So, and then that final week, yeah, they yeah they lost to Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. What are you gonna do? Who who did Texas? A&M? They beat Tennessee. Whoopee for you. You didn't deserve to get in. All right. It's. It is what it is. Now, I understand the Coastal Carolina arguments and the Cincinnati arguments. Here's the thing if you let them in, though. Like, they're not on the table. We all know, deep down, they're not on the same tier as an SEC team or a Big Ten team. Or even the Pac-12. They're not. They're, they're not. I mean, if you're going to let a Coastal Carolina in because they're 11-0 or Cincinnati, then you're saying the teams have to be undefeated. And if undefeated record and record is all that matters when you're selecting these teams... Then it's gonna ruin the sport because why is Alabama? What's Alabama's incentive to schedule a tough out of conference game? Like if I'm Ohio State, why am I gonna schedule in Oklahoma? There's no reason to. Why don't we just schedule a bunch of cream puffs? Because if we're undefeated, we can get into playoff. So all you Cincinnati lovers, oh, why didn't Cincinnati get in? Coastal Carolina, we got screwed. Like no, you didn't. Like do that consistently year in and year out, and then maybe. But what's their marquee win? They they don't have one. They should not be in. The talent differential is too great. They should not be letting teams in just based strictly off of undefeated records. Because if you do that, then it's going to ruin the regular season play because there's going to be no good out-of-conference games. And it's going to be Alabama beating up on the Sisters of the Poor every week, and you're going to get a bunch of shit matchups every Saturday. 
because the athletic directors are not going to have the balls to schedule an out-of-conference game, a tough out-of-conference schedule, because there's no reason to. Just go undefeated. So, I'm fine with them not getting in. Here's where the system's flawed, and this is where the system's a little flawed, though. This is what I don't like about the college football playoff. The margin of talent, like I said, they got the four teams right, but there was no good options. Like, Notre Dame should have been the fourth, but they're not a good option. Like, you saw what they did against Clemson. They're going to get smoked. They are going to get smoked. It's going to be another bad game. Since this college football playoff has started, we have not had many good games. I was going through the list earlier. There has been one close game between the one and four teams. The talent gap is huge between the one seed in the country and the four team in the country. The only good game was the first one between Ohio State and Alabama, where it was 42-35, Ohio State pulled off the upset. Other than that, there's not been a one-possession game out of all the one-and-four games. The average margin of victory is 17.5 points. They're all blowouts. They're practically unwatchable. So now these people that are saying, oh, let's extend it to eight teams. Well, you really want to, let's extend it to eight teams. What's going to happen right now, the current top eight, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, Cincinnati. Really, you really want to see Cincinnati play Alabama? Like, that game's going to be unwatchable. And how do you propose to schedule it? Because football in December has been a disaster to begin with for college football. So you're going to have to shorten the regular season. We're going to miss out on a good conference game or something. Just so you can extend it to eight teams for some cash grab. And it's going to be a bunch of, it's going to be on a bunch of unwatchable games. And you're going to end up with the same top four. And the rich are just getting richer as it is. Because these top four teams have the top four recruiting classes right now. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Best recruiting classes in the early signing period. So it's not going to get, it's not going to get any better. Like that, so extending to eight teams is not going to fix it. I what I I I don't like. I think, I, and I hate to say it, you almost have to go back to the BCS system or something like that because what they have is not working. I, I want better regular season matchups, and you simply can't get them here. The college football playoff games are not watchable. It's going to be the same four teams every year. Like if you look at out of 130 teams, there are 130 teams in the FBS. There have been 11 of those. That have gotten a spot in the playoff. 11. You can almost count on both fingers how many that is. And most of these teams are repeating every year. Like out of the 11, four, five. Five were one and done. So the 11 are Alabama. They're, they're in it every year. Oregon was in it once. Hasn't been in it since. Florida State in it once. Hasn't been in it since. Ohio State, they're in it basically every year. Clemson, they're in it every year. Michigan State, they were in one year. Got waxed. Haven't been there since. Washington got waxed by Alabama. Haven't been there since. Georgia, Notre Dame, and then LSU. Like, it's the same teams every year. Maybe the four team switches out every once in a while. But you're getting the same four each year. You might as well just go back to a BCS system. I think that'd be better than sport. Because if you keep going along this track, the rich are just going to get richer. And I've heard, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go to the 18 playoff. They're going to make this, they're going to make this system, they're going to make it even worse next year. Because it's bad enough right now with the 1 and 4. Imagine between right now, between that and the uh, 8. They talk about who's going to get in the top 8. Because right, it'd be between Ohio, or Iowa State would be knocking on the door with Coastal Carolina. And then they'd be bickering about that. So, the arguments are still going to be there. The games are going to be even worse than they are now in the playoff. And it's going to be the same four teams. And then if you're a recruit, and you see Cincinnati, they get in, and then you watch the talent differential between them and a top-tier program, why would you go there? The talent's just going to keep going 
to these top top tier schools. And there's a couple ways to fix this. I think number one, and this has been said in a couple different shows, and I completely agree. You have to have a commissioner running the entire sport of college football because you have these guys, these commissioners out doing their own thing. And it's a mess. It's a free-for-all. Everyone's for themselves. Ohio State got screwed because the Big Ten didn't start their season on time. Then they said you only needed six wins, or you needed to play at least five games, or six games it was, to play in the Big Ten Championship. Then they realized Ohio State wasn't going to be eligible, and they're like, oh, actually, we're going to redact that. It's it's horrible. It's every man for themselves. They need one board running the entire sport. And I think you you almost have to cut the scholarships down from 80, I think it's like 85 right now. You can get down to like 70 or something. Because then these kids, like, one, and I know you say, oh, you're going to take scholarships away from students. Like, no. Number one, most of these football players, they're not going there for school. They're not playing. They're going there to play football. They're not playing school. All right. So they're not getting any quality education. And I'm putting up the quotes here anyway. Number two is, if you say you take now Alabama or Clemson, we'll go Clemson. Because that game against Notre Dame, perfect example. They're missing Trevor Lawrence. No problem. Five-star QB steps up. They had layers of good players everywhere on the roster. You had third-string cornerbacks, a four-star recruit. Now with 70 scholarships, you cannot have that much depth on your roster, and the talent's going to be spread out elsewhere. You know, it's going to be spread out. Other schools are going to get a chance at getting that four-star guy who will be sitting on Clemson's bench, and now he's being a starter, and you got a five-star recruit right there. It's spread it out a little bit more, which I think would be better for the sport in general. But like college football, it's sad. Because they got the four teams right, and it's still going to be a horrible product to watch. Here's my other gripe. Not just with the playoff, too. Just in college football in general. They are slowly killing this sport. Like, I mean, it's never going to die. But, like, it's going to get to the point you're going to lose the casual fan. Because the rate it's going right now, you're going to have these not... The, the, you're devaluing the regular season. The matchups aren't watchable when it gets to the playoff. And you can predict before this year started. Like, why even play the season? I could have told you Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. Top three. Number four, you know... Toss up between like Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, one of those four, and sure enough, it was like it is not the but like even in the bowl games, like the the money in the sport because it's all about and that's why they're gonna go to eight teams and ruin it even further is because of the money. But you could tell who's paying for these things because like look look at the New Year's six bowl games, three loss Florida gets in, three loss Iowa State gets in, and then three loss uh, North Carolina gets in, one loss Indiana who didn't get in a New Year's six bowl. And their only loss this year was to Ohio State. And by the way, they play them pretty tough. How come they don't get one? Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati undefeated. They didn't get one? I mean, come on. I, mean, I agree they don't get to be in the playoff, but you can at least toss them a New Year's Six Bowl game. You know why? They're not making as much money. Florida, SEC school. Money. That's why they're getting in. ACC, uh, North Carolina. Money. They're getting in. I, I'm dumb. I mean, it's it's horrible. It's uh, Alabama's going to roll Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio State Clemson could be close. I think that'll be a good game. Damn, I mean, Dabo, it's a, not even the coaches. Dabo Sweeney had Ohio State at number 11 in his coaches' poll. Number 11! That's the team they're playing in the playoff. None of the schools are playing the same schedule. Need a commissioner. You got to get rid of this playoff. It's good in theory. I was wrong, though. I, it stinks. College football playoff stinks. Horrible. Gotta get rid of it. They're gonna make it worse. Eight teams is gonna make it worse. And I hear a lot of people say, oh, we gotta make eight teams. I, I remember last year I had this argument. I was at a Nebraska game. I'm a big Cornhusker fan. He's like, oh, yeah, we should. We gotta make it eight teams. It's like horrible. There's uh, universally, everyone thinks it's gonna solve your problems. It's gonna make the sport even worse. It's not good. Not good. Don't like it. 
do not like it. Moving on, now that we got that uh, rant over with. See, it's in the NFL. It's a wild week. The Bengals won. The Jets won. The Steelers lost. Who would have thought? You told me that before the week. I wouldn't have believed you. It's like, just like we drew them up. Let's go through some of the big storylines. The most recent one, uh, Steelers, they lost to the Bengals. Uh, kind of a shocker. Good for Cincinnati. Who day? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was doing his dancing TikToking before the game. And then, of course, he fumbled. Uh, it was a pretty big turnover. So everyone on the internet's lighting him up. Day is getting memed. And uh, you know what? I have no problem with people ripping on Juju because you set yourself up for it. It's like Odell with the boat. You're going to go on the boat and take a picture with all the receivers. You better show up in the playoff game. Same sort of thing here. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, this one isn't as bad. Like, if you're saying Juju Smith-Schuster dancing is why the Steelers lost, and that's what the problem's like, it's not. Like, how long did that video take? And you think I'm like, five minutes to film the most? Like, that didn't affect the outcome. If he wants to dance in the middle of the field, that's fine. You know, but, like, the, the, the play on the field, you better back it up. That was more, that's what is more concerning with the Steelers and the way they've lost these three games, because they cannot run the ball. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he just ate a full Thanksgiving dinner, and then the kids dragged him out to throw a couple passes, even though he didn't want to. He looks horrible back there, and they don't run the ball. He's throwing, like, 50 times a game. That's not a playoff. Like, they are going to get exposed. Very, they have been already. And we've been saying all year they're frauds. Bengals just reinforced that even more. But don't blame, don't, like, Juju Smith-Schuster dancing is not why they're losing games. They're losing games because they can't run the football, and Ben Roethlisberger looks like a shot fighter. That's why you're losing games. I think the Juju Smith-Schuster TikTok dancing is a little overblown. Now, that being said, I mean, you open yourself up for criticism by doing that, so if you want to rip him, go ahead and rip him. But I'm not going to. I think he's trying to build his brand. It's whatever. That didn't affect the outcome. It took, like, five minutes. No... It was harmless. You're saying no harm, no foul. There was no harm here, but there was a foul because they lost the game. If they would have won that game, no one would be talking about it. Because I'm pretty sure he's been doing this all year. It's just come off these past couple games because they have lost. But, you know, I'm going to cut Juju a little slack here. Steelers, not so much. Catch the catch the football and run the ball. Steelers aren't legit. The Bills are legit. I, this is where I was wrong. I did not trust Josh Allen at all coming into this year. I thought if you watched him in last year's playoff game, he looked like a deer in the headlights out there. He didn't know, like, he looked like what he was doing. I didn't think they trusted him. Uh, it showed, uh, especially late in that game. It, it looked bad. He is the, made the biggest jump I've seen. It's almost like it reminds me of Lucas Giolito with the White Sox. Like, one, and he wasn't as bad as Giolito was. Like, Giolito, if you don't know, he's the worst pitcher in baseball statistically. He comes back the next year, all-star caliber pitcher. He's an ace. He just threw a no-hitter last year. That's a, Josh Allen's made a big jump. He, he looks like a top-five quarterback in the NFL right now. He's playing like one. He, he's, in the, he's in the MVP conversation. He scored 48 points against the Broncos. I don't recognize the Broncos aren't good, but you got a defensive head coach. The Bills are traveling across the country. They just had a big win the week before. This is the perfect time for a letdown game. It kind of looked like a trap game. Because a lot of people were thinking of betting on the Bills, and I was like, nah, I wouldn't do it. I think this is a trap game. They scored 48 points. What a performance. Josh Allen and this team looks really good in the red zone. And the defense has not been good this year, but they come up good situationally. Bills are legit. I was a little hesitant on them before. That's a, that, that's a Super Bowl contender. They can, they can, I think they could beat the Chiefs in a shootout if they got down. They, they're capable. I'm not saying they're going to. Chiefs are a better football team right now. 
but they're fully capable of. I, I, I am buying Bill's stock. A couple weeks ago, it was the Titans I was all in on. I'm buying more Bill's stock. I like him. Green Bay Packers, they won again. This is another Saturday game. But they continue to disappoint even in wins. Like, is there a more pathetic win this year? They scored 21 points. First three drives, they put up points. And the rest of the game came out flat. They looked dead. Aaron Rodgers had his worst passing game of the year. And it's not, and they weren't playing a very good team. They're at home against Carolina. This is a team I don't see. They'll win a playoff game, maybe. They're lucky. Other than that, I don't see them going very far. I do not think this is a Super Bowl caliber team. I'd be surprised they make it to the NFC Championship right now, too. Like the way they're playing. I don't think this is a good football team. They let the Panthers hang around way too long. Should not have been a one-possession game. They can't tackle. Like, the one where Curtis Samuel went off looked like it was coated in butter running all over the field. That, that's a team that would concern me. I mean, it doesn't concern me because I'm a Bears fan, so fuck the Packers. But, uh, yeah, that, if you're a Packers fan, I'd be a little concerned. Like, that's another team where you are not as good as your record says. And this week against the Titans is going to be very telling. If they can come up with a win against the Titans and Derrick Henry, I might rethink my, my position here. But I think it's going to be just like when they played the Colts. They're going to get pushed around by Derrick Henry, who's going to control the game, and that's how you win the playoffs. It's going to be just like the 49ers last year. I think the Titans are going to win, and it's going to expose this Packers team. That, I, that, I, I do think so. If the Packers can come up with a win, because you, you have a quarterback right now that's probably the front runner for the MVP right now, and Aaron Rodgers. He's playing high-level football. Like Offensively, they're playing well. But I, I would like them to run the ball a little bit better, and defensively, they can't stop the run. I mean, Aaron Jones is a capable runner. I mean, they, they ran it well against the Eagles, but a Packers team that does like they're, they're like, they're like more finesse, especially on the defensive side of the football. The tackling's poor. The run stopping's poor. This week, very telling game, one I'm keeping an eye on. In that division, the Bears are still alive. At 7-7, seven and seven, back to 500. The losing streak is in the rearview mirror. As a Bears fan, I am very excited. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. I thought this team was dead and buried. But I'm telling you right now, this team's making the playoffs. And do not get confused. They're not a good football team. I, I still do not think they are a good football team either. You know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, with, with the performances as of late, they leave a lot to be desired. But, they are still making the playoffs. You can book it. Bears are going to make the playoffs. They got the Jaguars this week. They're going to win that game. Coming in really motivated against a team that's actively trying to tank. Looked horrible against the Ravens. They'll win that game. And the Packers, despite their flaws, probably going to be the one seed heading into the last week of the season. Because the Saints lost once again this week to the Chiefs. So the Packers probably going to be resting those starters. Going to be seeing the whole... Uh, who is their backup? Tim Boyle. Going to see a whole lot of Tim Boyle that game. Hopefully for the Bears, can slip in and get that playoff spot because they have the tiebreaker right now against the Cardinals. And Mitch is playing good. Mitch Trubisky is playing good football right now. Uh, I think they're finally doing what they should have been doing to begin with, running the football with David Montgomery. David Montgomery is a good back. But now it's nice because they're consistently running it. The line gave him a little bit of help. And he's very good at breaking tackles. Now he's breaking tackles at like the two, like after two yard, one yard out past the line of scrimmage. So he's getting like, he's turning a three, four yard gain at a six, seven. 
before he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. So he's turning a two-yard loss into a one-yard gain. So that's been a big difference here. He's not bad. His stats don't tell the whole story. But even if you look at his numbers, he's put up, despite the horrible run-blocking offensive line, he's put up some pretty good numbers for the Bears. He's second in broken tackles behind Dalvin Cook. He's one of five players with, uh, I believe it was 700 rushing yards and 300 receiving yards this season, or over that. Uh, he's been good. He's a good running back. They're finally starting to use him. They're letting Trubisky use his legs, which I like. The one thing that concerns me is the Bears fan moving forward next season. I'm all in on the playoffs. Like I'm, These people are like, oh, we're going to lose for draft position. You're not getting a top 10 quarterback in this draft uh, with where you're going to be picking anyway. So the worst case scenario right now, if you lose out, then you miss the playoffs and you're still in football limbo. I, I say push your chips and go for the playoffs. But what, what pisses me off, and I said this before the season starts, and this is just reinforcing it, especially the way with Trubisky's playing. What Ryan Pace did this offseason with this Bears quarterback room was the worst possible thing he could have done. There were only two options to go. Number one, you stick with Trubisky. You invested a lot with them. You let them ride it out for a full season, and you see what you have. And I think if they stuck with Trubisky and didn't yank him so early uh, after he threw one interception in the second half of Atlanta, the season would be turned around a lot differently. Like, the offense would look a lot better. There's a couple of those games I think they could have still won. Like, against the Titans, one possession game, offense looked horrible. They would have won that game. First game against the uh, Vikings, I still think they win that one, too. And I'll admit, it looked like a good move at the time when they pulled Foles because he led the comeback against uh, Atlanta. But the Bears are 3-0 with Trubisky up to that point. I, I would have stuck with him. Yeah, even if he didn't. Before the season. Forget they even bring Foles in. You stick with Trubisky for a year. You make absolutely sure he's not your guy. You know, one last final chance. Terry Bradshaw, his fourth year, he got benched. And he led them to the Super Bowl. He came back in and led them to the Super Bowl. Became a Hall of Famer. Just take some time. Look at Josh Allen. Took a lot of time for him to develop. He gave Trubisky one last chance. All right? You absolutely make sure he's not the guy. Option number two. This is the option I would have went with. You know Trubisky's not the guy. You're bringing in a solid veteran that you know is going to replace him. He is absolutely the number one starter. There's no quarterback competition. A guy like Teddy Bridgewater. He comes in day one. Alpha dog. He's the starter. Let's go. You upgrade to a clear number one starter. You get a Phillip Rivers or something like that. But uh, that, that's, those are the two options for me. What the Bears did instead was some half-assed middle ground version where you go and get Nick Foles for a quarterback competition. Quarterback competitions are bad. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And with Nick Foles, let me tell you, I had the Nick Foles experience last year. I co coached Nagy's advice. For those of you who don't know, he had some press conference where he was doing some big word salad last year after a loss to the Chargers, and they were asking him, uh, why didn't you run another play to get closer in field goal range? He's like, oh, did you watch the Colts game? So I took his advice. I took a road trip down to Indy. I watched the Colts game. Happened to be Nick Foles' first start back. And let me tell you, the Nick Foles experience was like watching paint dry. The offense couldn't move. His deep ball accuracy was horrible. No mobility in the pocket. And as much of what we've seen this year with him with the Bears. That is what you're going to get. He couldn't break out Gardner Minshew for the starting job. You know, you got a quarterback competition down there. Couldn't beat out Gardner Minshew. And you get a quarterback competition here. The media is always asking, oh, he should be the starter. He should be the starter. It's hard to prep when you got a guy breathing down your neck like that for these quarterback competitions. They never work. Never. That was a horrible decision by the Bears to bring in Nick Foles to begin with. And now you have this predicament. Because this is the worst possible thing that could happen. You brought him in. 
He had a quarterback competition, and now Mitch has played okay, good enough, though he's looking decent, and now at the end of the year, you still have a big question mark of, man, should we resign him or not? What should we do after this season? Because if he leads this team to the playoffs, and he keeps playing like he is, you have another big question mark, you haven't answered anything, and he's wasted another season at the position where you have no idea what you're going to do. Horrible job. All right, enough Bears talk. But anyway, despite all of their buffoonery up there in Hallis Hall, they need some changes, by the way. Uh, and I, I, I'm not on the fire Nagy bandwagon. I think these guys play hard with for him. Uh, he's still he's still around the job. They need to run the ball more. But he gave the plays over to Bill Lazor, play calling, and it seems to be working. Ryan Pace needs to go, though. That was horrible. All right, off my soapbox here. Dolphins, they're for real. You're missing four of your best players. They miss Gusecki. They miss Parker. No problem. Tua, great quarterback for this team. He does not turn the ball over. Uh, and I think, you know, he's turning out to be a pretty good pick uh, for the Dolphins. He is showcasing him. I, I kind of had my doubts when they benched Fitzpatrick for him. Uh, it looks like they made the right move. This is a very well-coached team. That was a slugfest against New England. They found a way to get a job. Eliminated the Patriots, too. It's the first time they haven't made the playoffs since, I believe, 2008. So an end of an impressive run for them. Dolphins, just like my Bills. That's a team that's legit. They have moved up in my power rankings. They're going to crack my top five this week. I like the Dolphins a lot, too. Good team built for the playoffs. They don't turn the ball over. They play great defense. And they force turnovers. They force a turnover, I think it's 11 straight weeks or something ridiculous like that. Really like the Dolphins. Jaguars, big winners this week. Sam Darnold led the Jets to a victory, so the Jags lost to the Ravens. They now own the number one pick. And, you know, uh, good for the Jets. I know you Jets fans are upset right now. But did you really want to be one of those teams that goes down in the footnotes of history of one of the 0-16, one of the worst teams in history? Come on. You don't want that. And I think you have a good quarterback of Sam Darnold. I said it. I like Sam Darnold. I'd be happy if he came over to the Bears. Sam Darnold's a good quarterback in a horrible situation. They need more offensive line help. He's got no receivers to work with. You traded Le'Veon Bell. He's like he's got an old Frank Gore as running back, and he's kept him in a couple games and done his darnest to make sure they keep keep him competitive. So good for the Jets. This is good for football. Any given Sunday, because these guys are trying to go out there. They're not trying to lose. I mean, these Jets guys. You know, you're trying to put good tape on. You're playing for your jobs for the next upcoming season. Because for half the Jets roster, what's Trevor Lawrence going to do for them? They won't even be there. They're going to be looking for another job. So you're trying to put good tape out. Good for the. I, I, I'm happy they want. This was good for football. I, I, I really i am happy for him. And, you know, again, good for Sam Darnold, too, because he can stick around in New York. I think, in the long run, number one, people that are like, oh, oh, oh. Lawrence doesn't have to go to the Jets. Well, now he's going to have to go to Jacksonville. He's going to be. This was more of a loss for Trevor Lawrence. I'd rather play in New York and get a big market there. You got that new big uh, lineman they got. I think his name, what's his name? Number 77. The man's a behemoth of a man. He's starting to build up front at the big spotlight in New York. Instead, you get to go to Jacksonville, a uh, city where they're known for how well they treat their players. Not really. I mean, there have been multiple PA violations down there. It's a horrible football town. Bunch of swampland and old people down there in Florida. You don't want to go to Jacksonville. So have fun down there. Sam Darnold, good for you. The Jets now, you got. I still think, yeah, like I said, I still think you have your quarterback there. You can use that pick. Maybe you trade it for some other pieces. You draft some more offensive line help. You surround Darnold with some weapons. And you give him time because he's young. He's only 24 years old. Or 23, excuse me. 23 years old. Joe Burrow just drafted this year. He's 24. 
So Sam Donald's young. He's still developing. I think he can turn this thing around with Sammy as your quarterback. I'm happy the Jets won. I know the Jets fans, it's a tough pill to swallow. Get over it. You have a good quarterback. You can use these picks for other places. You can start building. There's some pieces you can build with there. Falcons. One thing I have to say about that. Yeah, they blew another lead. I get it. All the memes. Uh, Tom Brady threw a touchdown pass. He led the comeback. Threw a touchdown pass to Antonio Brown. Proving that no matter how horrible you treat women. Or what a horrible person you are. A scumbag of a human being. That you can still find a job in the NFL if you can score points. So a real feel good moment there. For the Buccaneers and Antonio Brown. Congratulations to you sir. For getting your first touchdown since coming back. I could not care less. You can go fuck yourself, you horrible human. Uh, you know. That is just disgusting. Like that, whatever. Good for him, I guess. Not really, but it is what it is. Finally, last two things I want to discuss here uh, for the NFL. Uh, Jalen Hurts. He's looked good. He's earned that job in Philly. I'm a Sam Darnold guy. Or, excuse me, I am a Sam Darnold. I'm a Carson Wentz guy, but I think at this point it's very clear the Eagles are playing much better uh, with Jalen Hurts. But before you start saying, oh, let's move on from Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts is the guy moving forward, just remember, Drew Locke looked really good the end of last season, too. It's very early. There's not a whole lot of tape on him. He's mobile. He, you know, he might look good the rest of these games, but don't count your chickens before they hatch here. Drew Locke looked like a franchise QB. And look at him now. Broncos in the market for another quarterback after this year. So, it is still very early. However, the early signs are promising. They are promising. You played two pretty good teams. And uh, you, you beat a very good Saints team. He, I mean, they, they would have, uh, if Dallas Goddard could catch the football near the end of the game, he would have let it come back there. I was pulling for the Eagles because it was better. It would have been good for the Bears' uh, playoff positioning, but uh, you know, don't count your chickens before you hatch. Promising for Jalen Hurts, not ready to jump on the bandwagon yet. And Baker, Baker, money maker, Baker Mayfield playing good football once again without Odell. Is that the only reason? No, they, this team's actually playing really well. His offensive line is the best offensive line in football. They, he is. He he's been fantastic. With them, Nick Chubb's obviously good. The defense is rounding into form. This is looking like a good team. The Browns, for the first time in a long time, have a legitimate uh, contender for that team. Uh, I, I yeah, that that was a, that was a nice win. But going with the Odell thing, one more interesting stat. I know I bring it up every week. I'm an asshole. I just like <laughs> tooting my horn, saying I'm right, and just I mean, you watch Odell's gonna come back next year and tear it up. But Baker Mayfield passer rating. When targeting receivers, this is through week 14. Odell Beckham, pass rating is 78.2. All other receivers, 112.4. Baker's playing his best football of his life because he looks like he's like a point guard out right there right now. Distributing. And spread the sugar. Not just chucking it up to Odell each week. By the way, before I, you know, I continue, this isn't a knock on Odell either. He, he's a good receiver. I just think with the quarterback you have in Baker Mayfield, and he's not an established Hall of Famer, he's kind of playing for his job this year. He, that's how he plays. He, that's how he exceeds. You know, you can't have the black hole in the roster uh, demanding all the tar, all the targets. Like that's not who Baker is. You know, he's not. It's not like Tom Brady and Randy Moss back in the day. So it's not a knock on Odell's talent. I'm not anti-wide receiver. 
Just given the current situation, Baker Mayfield, the numbers indicate he plays better without Odell. And I said it. He's going to be better. You didn't believe me? Numbers do not lie. Now, uh, Christmas coming up this week. It's a little late uh, to get some holiday shopping done, but you can still get some great deals afterwards. That's why we're going to do a little ad read here, if you didn't notice. Go to Fanatics. We mention it each week. If you go to our Twitter page or any of the Twitter pages on the Unhinged Sports Network, you'll probably find these links peppered all over your feed if you follow us, which you should. Follow us and some of the other great podcasts out Unhinged. They have a great sports lineup, especially with the NBA coming. they got a new NBA show out. But uh, you follow one of those links, you'll, uh, you'll follow one of their Twitter pages, and see a link for Fanatics. Click on the link. Anything you buy, Unhinged, will get, uh, Unhinged Sports Network will get a little bit of money kicked back to them. And that will come back down to us, which we would really appreciate any of the support you have. So if you want to support the podcast, get some new gear. Why don't you get a new Baker Mayfield jersey? Because he is shredding it. You get a Josh Allen jersey. Because uh, uh, <laughs> we're jumping on his. Get a Sammy Darnold Jets jersey. Because he's going to be sticking around after uh, they don't get uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, go to Fanatics. Use one of our links for that. And uh, we will. you will be helping support the podcast, which we really, really do appreciate. Uh, NBA is in full swing tonight. Couple games underway. Kevin Durant, if you wrote him off, you're a fool. He showed it tonight. Had a great game in his debut with the Nets against his former team in Golden State. Man looks better than ever. Uh, he's jumping out of the gym and still shoot. Uh, I, I do like. I have mixed feelings about Brooklyn because I am not a Kyrie Irving fan. I think. Kyrie, this is a side note. I'm getting back on the soapbox. Kyrie Irving has acted like a clown. A clown. You're not going to talk to the media. Really? He acts like he's so much smarter than everyone in the room. No, you're not one. You, you, you thought the earth was flat. Number two, oh, I'm an artist. You're not an artist. You play basketball. You're not an artist, pal. Just because you can dribble really well does not make you an artist. Thinks he's some great intellectual. Give me a break. He does not. He's on a media boycott. Really? Without the media, there would be no NBA. Like, that's who's getting the information out to the public. That's helping grow your brand and line your pockets with money. The media is the one that's televising the games, that's writing about the games, that gives you the platform to go out there and talk about whatever you want. That's probably, yeah. Without the media, without ESPN, do you think there'd be an NBA? Or any of these networks paying for it? Because that's part of the media. Broadcasting these games, covering these games, getting it out to the fan base, being your voice. Getting your interviews out there, and you don't want to talk to them? You're a clown. Yeah, you are a clown. And also, you're going to be bashing LeBron. Uh, talking about, uh, I forget what the exact quote was. It was just, yeah. Yeah, bash LeBron. LeBron's the reason you got that title, pal. Like, horrible. Horrible. So quick to run away from the best player in the NBA right now. Early NBA, uh, sorry for the soap. But anyway, yeah, I like Kevin Durant. I'm rooting for him. Kyrie Irving, not so much. Mixed feelings on the Brooklyn Nets. Predictions for this year. Uh, despite the early score, I have to check it. I'm recording this on uh, Tuesday night, so when you're listening, you'll probably know the score. Uh, early in the first quarter, Lakers down to the uh, Clippers um, to check up on that. But I still, I'm still going. I'm still going Lakers to win the NBA title this year. Uh, I had them picked. I picked them before the season last year too. But full disclosure, I didn't stick to my guns. Late in the air, I switched it based on how it was going. Should have stuck to it, so I can't take full credit. But I'm going Lakers again. I think it's going to take them a little while. Almost LeBron teams, 
new. There's some new guys. The Rasha was Schroeder, Gasol, Harold. Uh, it, it takes them a little while to get acclimated with everyone's game, see how they fit in. So the Lakers are going to probably start off slow this year. That's all all these LeBron teams do. You saw with the Cavaliers at the trade deadline when he gets new pieces, even with the Heat, they're going to start off slow. But once they get things picked up, you know, two months into the season, they're going to start rolling. I don't think there's a team that's deeper than them. I think you got the best players still in the world. LeBron's still playing at a high level. Anthony Davis, no one's stopping him. Now they got some more shooting, too, which is only going to help. Schroeder was a great acquisition. Got a great six-man in Harrell. Uh, yeah, have fun stopping them. I don't see I don't see any team beating them. I think they just got too much firepower. Don't sell your stock early. They're going to start off slow, but that is the team to beat. Thank you so much for listening. I'll get you some free... Oh, wait, finally, I teased this earlier on the show. I'm going to give you a free money pick. pick. This week, we had a good, another good week last week. Uh, you'll be another video that's coming up probably sometime Thursday because Christmas is Friday, so the schedule's going to be a little different. It'll be in podcast form. You're going to get three more picks. They're going to help you win your money. little bonus one this week, though, because the line looked really good early. Rams, Seahawks. Rams, two-point underdogs. Jump on that before the line moves because I love the Rams in this spot. Regular rule of thumb. Well-coached team with the Rams are Sean McVay. Coming off an ugly loss, an embarrassing loss. You just lost to the winless Jets. They're going to come out motivated. They're going to have a big week of practice. Lit a fire under them. And divisional game against the Seahawks. They are still fighting for that uh, division title. They already beat the Seahawks once this year. Very motivated team. Bet the, the, bet the Rams. I put them on the money line. I think they're going to win this game. So while they're underdogs, jump all over that this week. I really love the Rams in this spot. Last time they also had a stinker. Air Donald went out and called them soft. The next week they played the Bears and took them to the woodshed and beat them down. It was a beat down. The Bears couldn't do anything. Seahawks defense has been improving. I still don't the offense though has been sputtering. You know, they scored 20 points against the against Washington. Offensive line gives up a ton of sacks. You have Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd getting after the quarterback. Jalen Ramsey's gonna be able to shut down your number one receiver and DK Metcalf. And Jared Goff, when he has time, he can carve you up. I love the Rams. Very motivated. Bet the house on them. That is one of my locks of the week. I'll give you another three picks uh, later uh, for free money. But anyway, you have that to look forward to. Should be coming out. Friday. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Have a good one.